This is Alex. I'm from Boston. Hello, this is Jackie, and I'm from Houston. Hey, this is Rahul from Stanford. And we are the Premier Chefs. Hello and welcome back, TPC family. Yes, I use the word family. In hard times, you've got to rely on your family. And Rahul, it was a hard morning today, wasn't it? It's been a hard year, my friend. It's been a hard year. <laughs> it's been ups and downs. It's been dark, dark, dark clouds here in Houston gathering. It's been a rainy, rainy day, but maybe dark clouds gathering over the Chelsea club overall, because I think we've always said this on this podcast where we can lose but when we just don't try we don't put any efforts it's so difficult and i think for you and i here in the states i woke up at 5 45 this morning to watch this game slightly excited we're playing the top of the table these are you know clashes that classic chelsea lives for but man right from the kickoff i think within five six minutes i, I realized i should have slept through this game it was not going to be a good one yeah i mean it was a little bit uh, an hour later for me, but I was thinking about the the fans on the West Coast, and for them it was like like three four forty five four a.m. almost, and it's that's tough because you you know we're fans we we'll wake up we'll watch we'll support through thick and thin, but sometimes you just need something from the team to pull you through and get you a little bit excited, and and in the build up to this game we had said. You know, Aubameyang and him coming back against Arsenal had gotten us excited. I even went ahead and predicted a win. Um, but it's just something's not right. Something doesn't feel right. And we know it. We've we've seen this before with Chelsea. When things aren't right, we see it immediately on the pitch. And um, I don't know, dark clouds are, are gathering and, and will stay at least for the next two games. I was holding back a chuckle there because I think you think about it and it's it's true. Chelsea goes up and down. Things change. Things are not right. But just, what was it, three, four, five episodes ago, we were talking about the spell that Potts has put on this team and they're playing really well. And I think one of the discussion points back then was, is this new manager bounce back, similar to what we talked about with Aston Villa when Jared left, or is Potts the real deal? And again, sorry, we're going into some details here. I'm not going to criticize Potter to that level, saying he's Potter out or anything like that. But... It does seem like new manager bounced back. We had a little bit of a run here, but now the truth and the complaints there, I say that Thomas Tuchel was bringing up at the beginning of the season where, yes, we've signed some players, but overall this team isn't ready or this team isn't right. I mean, Potter comes in and we were all jumping for joy. Yeah, we're going for top four. We're challenging. And now it's like reality sinking in a little bit, isn't it? It it absolutely is. And it's interesting. You, you know, you mentioned Tuchel was saying we're not ready. We're not finished article um i think potter has said that too and and of course he will say that because he's only been here six seven weeks now um but here's the issue with changing managers as often as we do right so we start off preseason with tuchel everything's been done according to him and the way he wants this team to be ready fitness playing tactics all of that and then you let a manager go and now all of a sudden the cycle starts again and Potter comes in, he's had no preseason. And I had this discussion with uh, Nikesh offline when we were, I was a little bit heated after the game. Uh, but you say, okay, well, he doesn't hasn't had preseason. He hasn't bought in his own players. He hasn't had the time to work with, with the current squad. But at the end of the day, 
we're Chelsea. Look at our squad and the names that are in this squad. We've got the likes of Raheem Sterling, Aubameyang, two Premier League proven players. We've got Mason Mount, who's been our player of the season for the last two seasons. Uh, we've got Thiago Silva, who's who's one of the greatest defenders. We've got Mendy in goal, who only up to a year ago was arguably the best goalie in the world. And at some point, you just have to ask the question, when do these guys just play and fight for themselves and fight for their honor and not even the, the shirt that they're wearing? Because, yes, they tried. They all put in an effort. They worked hard. It wasn't enough. You look at the Arsenal side and... I know it's a different feeling, right? You're top of the table. You won, I don't know, seven, eight, nine, ten games in a row. It's a different feeling. But the last few years, Arsenal have come to us, and we've been the better team. We've been the team in form. We've been the team going for bigger titles, and we've given it to them. Today, we we were second best in everything. And and that's the, the sad part is we can talk about Potter and being new and giving him time. That's not what we do as a club. That's a whole different topic. But at the end of the day, you just want the players to do their job and do it well enough where we may be going through a bad period, but the league leaders are in town. Let's just fight and get something out of this so that we can look forward and say, okay, we put in a great effort here. We have the next two games. Let's finish it off and and go away for the six, seven, eight weeks on a high. But I mean, Man City next, and then Newcastle, two teams that are just scoring for fun. I'm very, very worried. And I, I don't know how I'm going to be watching these games. I don't know how you're going to watch these games either. This one was a, as a brutal one. And I think the scoreline maybe is is kind to Chelsea. I think 1-0. And if you didn't watch the game, it's like, well, Arsenal are league leaders and Chelsea are seventh. And so that's something to be expected. They can beat us. But I think in watching the game, Rahul, and maybe this is just my opinion, I don't think Arsenal even got to maybe that second or third gear that we know they can. It felt like once they kicked off the game and they started, they were playing some beautiful football, first of all, and that's where I have to give credit to what Arteta has done in the time that he's been given there. But you could see that once they got into the flow, they didn't really kick up the pace. They didn't really kick up the physicality. They just kind of said, we'll stroke the ball around and something will happen here or there. And ultimately, they get a goal and I don't know how much of that is actually Arsenal working really hard for goal versus Chelsea just blatantly absolutely poor, so poor at defense. I think I texted you in this early morning groggy after <laughs> seeing this. It's like, how can grown men, professional footballers pay that much money for what was an actually average corner, make it all the way through? All of our defense, midfielders, goalkeeper, and, and Gabriel, I cannot say his last name, but Gabriel standing there at the end of the post with, no one marking him, and he taps it in. And look, those things happen, but you've got the top of the table league team there. Wouldn't you think that's going to punish you? It's just, it goes back to the point you made earlier of like, yeah, they're doing the job, but Rahul, you and I have jobs, right? You, what you're describing to me is this the equivalent of I wake up in the morning, I get dressed, I sit in my car, drive to the office, and I just sit in my desk. I've made it to my job, but I'm not doing anything, right? So they've made it to the pitch, they're out there, they've got instructions from management. And that's where I'm trying to move away a little bit from Potter, but no energy, no excitement, always second favorite. It just seemed like, you know what, they're Arsenal, they're better than us, and we'll just take it, which is absolutely poor from Chelsea as a football team. Those guys need to look at themselves and say, what just happened? How do we allow that to happen? Yeah, we showed more fight in that 
final, I don't know, towards the end of the game where Kovacic and Chalaba get involved with Jaka and our players are finally there, you know, like <laughs> we're all here as a team, but we didn't play as a team. We didn't look like a team that has been together as as guys, obviously Potter and the, and the playing style is changing, but I, it's it's tough right now. And I know we're Chelsea, we'll pull something out of the hat and, and do something uh, at towards the end of the season. But I mean... You look at Arsenal, and and I know, you know, we've been watching Arsenal obviously as as Chelsea fans from the outside looking in. But a couple of seasons ago, Arsenal were having these kind of issues where they were disjointed under Arteta, obviously, um, who, mind you, has never lost a game at Sanford Bridge as a manager, which which is baffling in itself because we used to beat Arsenal for fun at the Bridge. Yep. Um, but coming back to them, I think. A lot of people have pointed out, well, this is Arsenal under Arteta in the third year. They've been giving him time. They've been giving him his players. Okay, I get all of that, but no one was expecting Arsenal to be where they are at this point of the season, let alone say it's going to be Man City and Arsenal for the title this season. Um, so they're definitely, I want to say, overperforming. And I'm not being salty. I'm not being... They were, they're were they a good side. They're playing better. Um, but... They're sharper, they look fitter, they look hungrier, just like Brighton did last weekend where they just wanted it more and they got it. And Arsenal wanted it more, they got it by one goal. But this was, like you said, the scoreline flattered us because it could have easily been two, three, four. Um, And I thank Arsenal for holding back a little bit because that would have been (laughs) even more embarrassing for us. From a selection standpoint, Rahul, is Potter... I don't want to say playing favorites, but maybe blind to picking some of the superstars in the team. Raheem Sterling, I'm calling him out for now a couple of episodes. He doesn't look like the same Raheem Sterling that we got at the beginning of the season. Kai Havertz, I failed to see how several managers have picked him. Nothing against the lad. I think he turns up every now and then, but consistently it's not there for us to have him in the starting lineup playing those positions. Obama Yang had four touches, four touches, Rahul, in the first half. I get it. You're a striker. You're not getting service, but run back, make a tackle, run with the ball, make a dribble. It just seems like they don't care. Mason Mount was working really, really hard there, but even Kukurea is not the player that you would expect for 60 million to come in and you lose Ben Chilwell. You're like, oh, I'm worried for the rest of the season. If he's not back in time, what are we going to do with Kukurea there? Is Potter picking the wrong guys? What's going on? It's definitely definitely a great question because when we did the, the predicted lineup for this, we said, well, we'll go with the four, which ended up happening today. Uh, and then we said we'd go with the three midfield. I think we had said Jorginho, Kovacic, and Zakaria because we had seen in the 60 minutes or so that that Zakaria played the other night enough to say he's going to bring something different to the squad. Uh, of course, he doesn't play. Loftus-Cheek plays. And for how good Loftus-Cheek has been, and I know you were saying this too earlier, this was a very poor game from him. And of course, 10 oh. other people were poor too around him, but... I don't know what Zachariah has to do to get a game because he yeah. he performs well. He scores. This, the goal scoring isn't what we want him for. It's great when he brings it, but it's I I don't know. And and you pointed out some of the new signings. I mean, if you think about them, Kukurea has been has gotten worse since he's been here. I think yes, he's had his issues, but I think tonsillitis. He's lost weight. Maybe he's still st- struggling to settle into London, but. We spent a lot of money on him, and Chilwell is out now, so we do want him to do the job, but he's been poor. Sterling has been extremely poor, and and for the guy that we brought in as the main winger, as the main attacking outlet, 
we're not really getting much from him. It's it's frustrating when the ball goes to him and he loses it or he doesn't do anything with it. And maybe that's not his style. Maybe in, in the Man City team and when he was playing as a youngster at Liverpool, it was more about using his pace and running in behind yeah. and he didn't have to dribble and take people on. But that's where I think conversations need to be had with the manager, with the, with the squad. And people need to play to their strength and, and we don't need to put Pulisic and Sterling at wing back for certain games because that's not their strength. That's not what they like to do. They don't like to defend. So, look, there's two games left. We go away for the World Cup. I don't know if any of these conversations will be had because we're going from game to game to game. But I think in that break, Potter has to analyze the squad, sit with Boli, Clear Lake, Iqbali, and, and things need to change because we need to head in the right direction. And right now, we're, we're not. It's interesting because if you ask me maybe five episodes ago, you're looking forward to this World Cup. I'm telling you no, Rahul, because Chelsea are playing beautiful and we want us to continue in that vein and maybe get some form and score some goals and clear up some of the, the points that we're missing out on the table. But now you tell me the World Cup's two games away and I'm like, thank you. Chelsea need a break. We need to go away and let's just get this dark cloud off of us because you, I, I think Chelsea have this December blues or November blues that we always talk about on the podcast. I, for one, I'm glad. Let the World Cup come in and let's skip all of this because it's starting <laughs> a little bit early for me at this point. But we're a third of the way through the season now, Rahul, and we're 13 points, 1-3, 13 points off of Arsenal. I don't think it's surprising because I think we understood that this was going to be a transitionary season, regardless of if it was Thomas Tuchel or not. I think it comes back to the same thing is even if we're 13 points away, even if we're 15 points away, even if we're 30 points away, I think each single game should leave us Chelsea fans feeling like the team tried enough. I think we're short now and I think we're struggling on that front and I, I don't know where we go from here. I, I don't either. And and I've already pointed out the next two games, but um, just looking back a little bit and from the time uh, Potter has come in, I mean, the first game against Salzburg at home, and I'm just going to read off some, some stats. Mm -hmm. We, we had 17 shots, four on target. So that in itself is an issue. But of course, that that will change over time. 73% uh, possession. You look at the next game against Crystal Palace, 13 shots, three on target, 64% possession. So we're doing better with the ball in terms of retaining it. We're not getting enough on target, but we're getting in positions where we're, we're, we're taking shots. Then we play Milan at home, and it's 10 shots against four from them. So clearly we... We were doing the right things and we were heading in the right direction, like we were saying. And and after the Milan away win, coincidentally, this is where Reese James gets injured. We had 15 shots in that game, Jackie. It was 71% possession. We come back from that and we go to Villa and we had eight shots and they had 18. Seven on target, we had four. If you remember, Kepa pulled out blinders yep. in that game. And since then, it's been kind of going downwards with with the way we've been trending we've not won in uh since the villa game we've not won in the league i beg your pardon is what i'm trying to say um uh, we've played united they were the better side we played arsenal today they were the better side and and when these two teams used to come to the bridge in the past and maybe i'm living in the past <laughs> chelsea used to always turn it up i i it it hurts me it pains me because we've just kind of let two games go by where we've been bang average, almost squeaked out a win against United. We couldn't do that against Arsenal today. We didn't even show up. And, and 
again, is it just Reese James? I don't know, but something needs to change. Look, and if it's just Reese James, right? I, I argue this with Chelsea as a club. I argue this with Potter. I argue this with Thomas Tuchel. Is as amazing as Reese James is, and he is. You cannot build your attack around one player because things like this happen when your key player gets injured. You can't tell me that's the end of the season. Ultimately, things happen, Raul. If you've got three, four, five major players out and your season gets derailed, I understand that. That makes a lot of sense. You've lost half of the key team there. It's okay. But if you lose one player that's going to be out for, I think at this this point, it's going to be about six to eight weeks. He may be back after the World Cup, right? That can be a lot of damage done if you're telling me one player destroys the whole game. And if we're looking at lower lower teams or lower t- teams on the table, which I'm not trying to disrespect any of them, they typically rely on one or two critical team players that actually make a difference. And one that always pops into mind was Wilfred Zaha. He almost carried Crystal Palace for many years with his goals and assists and his output. You, you look at it that way and you start to wonder, and maybe even with Leeds, Rodrigo or Patrick Bamford pop into mind as carrying those teams, right? But you look at it over the years, the teams that win Premier Leagues or the teams that are very, very successful – while they do have standout players, they can continue with others in and around the pitch. I remember when Kevin De Bruyne got injured and everybody said, oh, it's going to be tough. Gundogan steps up and covers the pitch at that point in time. If Kevin De Bruyne is out and Gundogan, is, Bernardo Silva steps up and covers at that point in time. And similar to Liverpool, they built that strong front three with Mohamed Salah, Sané, and then Firmino. If they were all out, Jota came in to help and step in. And so... What I'm trying to say is the big teams, the teams that win things, don't build or rely on one player to be successful. And if we're Chelsea and we're saying Reese James, and the only reason I'm hanging on this point is because last year we put out an episode about wingbacks. We lost our wingbacks and our season completely crumbled. Earlier this this year, we put out an episode called Reese and Prey. And if we lose Reese, our game plan is out the door. So from a managerial standpoint, Rahul, I think that's a good question for Graham Potter and staff. What can we do to not have this team so single-focused on one key player, but spread the love, spread the joy? You bought the Reem Sterling's, you bought the Obama Yangs. How do we get them to contribute more? And, and that's that's the million-dollar question, or, or even more if we miss the, the, the top four, which uh, right now, I mean, I read out some stats, but you just have to see where we were and, and where we sit right now. I think when Potter came in, we were fifth. We went up to fourth, I believe, and now we're sitting in seventh. And yes, we're not that far off. It's five points from the fourth uh, fourth place Spurs. Uh, we have a game in hand, so we could close that down. But when things aren't right, you can you sense it, and you know as a Chelsea fan, things aren't right. And and I don't feel right right now. And I'm not trying to be negative. We may turn it around. We may end up you know beating Man City. We may end up getting a few points off of. Um, Newcastle, but it just seems like we we need to get to this break and and reset. Let the players go away. Think about their countries. Let let Potter behind the scenes think about Chelsea and what he wants to do with with the club because he he's. I mean, if we let him go at this point, I know a few fans have said Potter out. Where yeah. do we go as a club? I mean, he's been here not even two months. Firing him is just we're just wasting time and being like. Now we'll bring in a new manager and let him do his thing, but he doesn't have preseason. He doesn't have his transfers. We just need to give him time and stick it out. And the mentality at this club, with which may or may not be there, needs to change. That when things get tough, the manager goes, we'll just reset and go again. Because then we're never going to ever, ever change. 
No, and and you and I have talked about this on this podcast many times. At some point, we need stability as a team. And if we are drawing the line with Potter, I think that's absolutely fine in my opinion. I think he's a capable, perfectly capable manager. I think he's extremely intelligent. Of course, you need time because we're the same guys who sat here and people said fire Teta and I said give him time and here we are seeing Teta run the league. So ultimately, I think give him time. It's just a matter of how do we get some short-term success. And again, it's very important to define success, right? For me and you on this podcast, while we would love to win things, I don't think that's necessarily the definition of success. I think is for stability to happen for the next season or two, go for a top four, but put in an effort in every single match. We can't be waking up at 5 a.m. to our West Coast listeners. I'm sorry you had to wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning or 4 o'clock in the morning just to watch this because it's not fun for us as Chelsea fans. So uh, let's move on, Rahul, because I think the dark cloud need to pass and give us some way. And let's talk about the women's for a couple of minutes here. Yeah, I mean, uh, always saving the weekend, aren't they? <laughs> um, they they traveled away to Manchester United a few hours after our, our defeat at home to Arsenal. And that was a tough game going away to United, who've gone five wins back to back and not conceded a single goal. Uh, and the episode I did with Ray, if you haven't checked that out, check that out because uh, we did a deep dive into the women in the last few weeks uh, building up to this game. And uh, we both felt that we could get a result here, but it was going to be tough. And, and that was the case in the first half. Uh, we were the better side. They were exploiting uh, the space in behind us, especially down the channels. But um, once we decided to turn it on, and kind of like we were talking about Arsenal, Chelsea turned it on here. Sam Kerr gets a goal around the hour mark. And four minutes later, Lauren James coming back to haunt United uh, gets a goal as well. And, And Lauren James, we spoke about her again in that episode as well. But she's coming into her own this season and she's developing a partnership with Sam Kerr. She's almost impossible to knock off the ball when she starts running at you or dribbling around you. Uh, so maybe Mr. Sterling can can get some notes from, from <laughs> her. Uh, but jokes aside, it, it was a complete performance. We obviously do concede in the 71st minute. But even from that point on, we managed the game as champions do um, and see it through. And an Aaron Cuthbert in the 92nd minute makes a 3-1, which was my prediction. So I'm glad to get my prediction right somewhere. Um, but that helps us defeat United um, for them for the first time this season and three goals conceded for the first time this season for them in the same game. So it's looking up for us. We're uh, currently sitting in second behind Arsenal, uh, who are six out of six wins. We've played a game more. Um, So we go away on this international break for the women uh, on a good high and hopefully when we come back, we have Tottenham and then we go into the Champions League and all of that, that stuff. But it was a perfect way to end the weekend, uh, at least for the women, and and bring some joy and, and clear out those clouds. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the best way to put it, is kind of clear out the clouds. But I have to make this a, a bad news sandwich, Rahul. And what I mean by that is we started with bad news. We ended with, we put the good news in the middle. We have some more bad news. We pay, play Manchester City oh. after this for, for the men's side. Uh, Do we, we have, have to, to go to this that. game? <laughs> <laughs> are, you, are you proposing that we just say, look, look, we're waving the white flag. Y'all just move on and we're not going to come up to the game. <laughs> I have those flashes of that 6-0 against Man City in that sorry season, man. And and I know Holland's coming back from injury. He obviously came off the bench over the weekend to score the winner. But 
I have a feeling he starts this game. There's only two games, like we said before. The he has a break for six weeks or so, so he he's raring and wants those goals. And the way we are right now, I mean, it's it's literally going to take one goal, and we're just going to to fall apart. It's like we're we're like this nice cookie at this point. We look good on the outside, one goal goes, and we start to crumble apart, right? So. This is going to be an interesting one. It's Manchester City at home as well, and it's for the Carabao Cup, if I'm not mistaken. I think it's called the Carabao right. Cup these days. We grew up with it as the Carling Cup. But again, you know, they're a team that has won this cup. They've made it kind of like their fun cup. They win it almost every season at this point. It's very easy for them. It's going to be a tough game. It's been difficult to predict who Graham Potter, not who, what formation Graham Potter goes with. And different media outlets reported the different things, but when you watch the game, sometimes it's a, a 4-3-3, sometimes it's a 4-2-3-1, sometimes it's a 4-box-2. It's been described as so many different ways. What formation do you think he plays for this game? And maybe we can run through or take a stab at some of the, the people he'll pick. I mean, I, our defense has some major injuries, and, and mm-hmm. I know we were talking about Reese James, but Fofana is out. Kulabali has been in and out. Uh, Tiago Silva, for how great he has been, I think we have seen that he does get exposed in that back four certain times. And um, I don't think he plays this game, which leaves us with the option of only going with the back four. So I think Aspilicueta, Chalaba, Kulavali comes in. He was on the bench today. And, and Kukurea, who's the the only option as a left back. You think Potsik can dip into the youth? Do we have anybody there that might be creeping up through there to maybe claim a stake for for a position or off the bench even i mean we do and and i remember in the in the fa cup different opposition it was uh but lewis hall had played left wing back if i'm yep. not wrong um so he is an option he could come come and do the job but it's it's man city away and i don't know if you want to throw a young lad into that kind of a situation yeah, that's fair enough. It's just looking to find any players that we can bring onto the pitch. You're playing with a 4-3-3, 4-2-3-1, 4-4-box-1. What are you looking <laughs> for with the way he plays? <laughs> any, anything that gets us a win. But <laughs> um, I think he would go with the, the pivot in the mid, midfield, which yep. is Kovacic and Jorginho. Again, I'd like to see Zakaria play, but not, not my decision. So I think Kovacic and Jorginho, but... Coach uh, Jorginho has been playing a lot too, and I, I'm almost wondering. And it's a, a question back to you, and uh, and actually to the to the listeners: Do you make the Newcastle game a priority in terms of resting, playing your best eleven for that game, or do you say, "Well, it's the Premier League; we've been struggling. Let's put that to the side for now. Let's focus on the Carabao Cup. If we knock Man City out, we're knocking out one of the bigger players that could eventually compete for the trophy." Or do you say Carabao Cup is not something we want to get distracted by this season? Let's focus on on the Premier League. I guess for me personally, Raul, I've always described to what Jose Mourinho said and did in his first season is that silverware is silverware. And silverware is a way for you to change the mentality of any club. And I'm not saying from a trophy perspective, Chelsea's mentality is poor because that would be completely opposite to what we've done as a football club for the last 20 odd years. But I think... For these players and for these guys, I think winning is a habit that needs to be gained and be ingrained into your mind. And so you want to absolutely win every single game. Doesn't mean that I would always pick my first strongest 11 in a Carabao Cup. No, 
but it is Manchester City. And, and I think we made this point against Brighton where we felt like Graham Potter disrespected Brighton a little bit by playing Pulisic and Sterling at wing back. Don't disrespect Manchester City by putting out the wrong team or the wrong formation. Do your homework, play the best possible side. And I think as a manager, you can only win what's in front of you and build from there. We're going through a tough patch now. And so if this is the distraction they need, if Manchester City decide that they want to play a second team or maybe a weaker team, which that is odd to say because even their bench is absolutely incredible. <laughs> and so their, their, their weaker team could win a Premier League in any day. But at the, at the end of the day, it's something where I would say focus on it and try to get a result out of it and move forward from there. I'm leaning towards just focus on that Newcastle game because we, <laughs> we don't want to fall too far behind in the top four, but uh, this is an opportunity to to maybe make a run towards a trophy that would ultimately be something that we could we could be happy about. But yeah, I think uh, coming back to the lineup, Kovacic and, and Jorginho in the midfield. Yep, and so depending on how you feel about it, if he's going to be focusing on Newcastle or not, who are the four that he goes with up top? Well, knowing him, it's going to be Kai Sterling, Obama, and Mount. But um, I know he will, he should rotate in this game. You you do want to see uh, some of the other guys get some minutes. So I think Pulisic should come in. Uh, Conor so, yeah. Gallagher should come in. He'll bring some good energy. Mason Mount, I think, will continue to, to play. And then up top, I'd like to see Armando uh, Broma start. He's He's been decent. He's done good when he's come off the bench. And so it'll be nice to see him. Uh, hopefully get a start. And in a game that it's win or you go out, so why not? It is knockout football, and it's a chance for the young man to impress. I think I read a stat this week that Broha has been labeled maybe the fastest player in the Chelsea squad. So hopefully he gets an opportunity to show that pace against a Manchester City side. And, you know, if you if you have a good game, you might get a goal here, and we might come back on this podcast and say all the dark clouds are gone, we're happy again, and... We're going through the roller coaster that Chelsea is and going through that. But before we end the segment, Rahul, I want to ask you a question about Jorginho. We are now getting towards the December period, and typically this is when we will know if a contract gets pushed out or is offered. If not, he's free to sign a pre pre contract agreement with another club. What are you making of the situation? Do you feel like Chelsea are going to offer him a contract? I do know he's over thirty. Uh, he's not the most popular Chelsea player for a lot of Chelsea fans out there. However with this position and with this role and Chelsea in, in a in a transition period, do you think that they'd want to keep him at least for another season or so? I think so, because you look at his, his injury record and he's, I'm not trying to jinx him, but he's rarely injured. He's always available. He's ready to step up and do a job. Like you said, when we were talking offline, it's not his fault that he's slow. It's that's just yeah. a, a natural thing. Right. Um, but if he has the right players around him, we've seen him be successful. Oh, he was, what, the third best player in the world only last year. Um, so I would give him the contract, but knowing that you're going to put pieces in and around him, and maybe he turns into a squad player uh, right. that you're not relying on every single game because your replacement for Angolo Conte, which I think is is the bigger question, is coming in and doing the job that you need them to do. But I would give it to him. Never hurts to have good players in the squad that can you can count on. And Jorginho has been one that stepped up every time Chelsea have asked him to. Yeah, myself as the biggest Jorginho critic on this podcast, <laughs> I too would give him the extension. I think he has a part to play and help this team going forward. 
Yeah. And, and I mean, that God, I'll ask you that question back for Angolo. Do you, do you do that? I mean, he's been a great servant. He's been a player that we love and we miss dearly, but last few seasons, he's been, he's been hampered by injury. He has indeed been hampered by injury. And I think he's been the shadow of the Angolo Conte that we know and what he brings to the team. While I would love to offer him a contract, I think logically going back to your point about fitness, with Jorginho being ever fit and ever ready to start, I think N'Golo Kante is one of those where it's so difficult to have him play maybe five games in a row because something other is coming up. It's almost more respectful to allow him to leave to get another big contract somewhere else for the last two or three years of what we would call his prime playing careers. I would absolutely hate to see him go, but I think it's the best for all parties. And and, and I think I agree with you. So, um and it also depends on where we finish. I mean, no Champions League football changes, <laughs> you know, changes what point, we can yeah. attract. And we spent a lot this summer. So uh, I think that we've got to be mindful of that going into January and, and next summer as well. But that wraps it up, guys. Thank you very much for listening. Please continue to subscribe, like, and follow us. It's at the Premier Chelsea on all podcast providers and Instagram and YouTube. And on Twitter, it's at Premier Chelsea. Uh, hopefully we can change that in the next few weeks and, and make it uh, the same handle there as well. But uh, we will be back with a Man City review and a Newcastle preview. And hopefully the clouds clear up a little bit. Uh, but until then, stay safe and up to Chelsea. Hey, guys. The Premier Chelsea is sponsored by Kickoff Coffee. They are a top quality artisanal roasted coffee. In other words, they're Champions League winner and Premier League winner every single time. They deliver fresh bags directly to your home, so you don't have to go to a coffee shop and pick up something. And the best part about them is every bag gives back to soccer charities. 10% of the proceeds go to organizations that use soccer to promote youth social development in the underserved areas. Use our code TPCOFFEE15 to get 15% off your order. You can order at kickoffcoffeeco.com or check out the links on our social media. Thanks.